If visiting with us, certainly we're appreciative of each of you being here. Uh, I know it's always a joy to be able to gather together with Christians on the first day of the week to worship as God has commanded us. Again, if you're visiting, certainly you are honored guests. We invite you back in any opportunity uh, that you might have. If you have any questions or any concerns uh, about anything that you've seen or heard this morning before you leave, we do ask if you would uh, find somebody, ask those uh, questions, voice those concerns, and certainly we'd be happy to talk to you about whatever it is that is on uh, your mind. Uh, we've said this a couple of times before, but Joey and I had an opportunity uh, back in November uh, to sit down and to uh, basically plan out our entire year this year, uh, the sermons that we are going to preach. Um, and oftentimes, uh, if it's not necessarily concerning the mission statement uh, that we have talked about so often uh, this year already, uh, the sermons that we decided to do aside from that are oftentimes are sermons that coincide with one another. And today is another one uh, of those uh, particular, uh, particular sermons, uh, particular days to do sermons that are uh, going together. So I hope that you have plans to be with us uh, once again this evening uh, to gather together in a worship and to hear another sermon from, uh, Almighty, from the Word of Almighty God. I know you've heard it said before, we all have, uh, but that if there is a design, there is of necessity what? Designer. We understand that. We talk about this all the time as it pertains to creation. Uh, but certainly we can look at a lot of other areas of life uh, where this uh, certain statement is in fact very true. When it comes to things of a spiritual nature, we understand that they are perfect, don't we? The design for them is perfect. The way that they are to work is perfect. And if they are worked the right way, then certainly it will come out perfect, all because of the one who is behind them, the designer of them being God, is perfect himself. This pertains to things like worship pertains to things like the church, pertains to things like marriage, it pertains to things like the scheme of redemption, but also it pertains to things such as the home. There is a blueprint that has been laid out for us within God's manual for us today, again, our standard of authority. There is a perfect plan, there is a perfect design in this blueprint that God has laid out for each of us, and if that is followed, the home will certainly be pleasing to God and be what it needs to be. And yet it's unfortunate, isn't it, that for a lot of people in our world today, for a lot of people in our society and our culture today, imperfect people as we all are, but people like that who take this imperfect, or rather take this perfect plan, and within it they insert their own imperfect ideas, their own imperfect thoughts, their own imperfect ways as to how they think this perfect institution should be and what it should look like, and they take out God's perfected and authoritative design and they mess it up. They take something perfect, and because of themselves, they make it imperfect, and they do whatever it is that they wish to do. When we talk about different institutions, I think a lot of different things come to mind. When we talk about institutions, I think we talk about and think about all of these successful universities, or maybe these hospitals that have done so much good work, or these research centers that have done so much for the cause of humanity while here on this earth. And yet, as great as each of those earthly institutions might be in this world, there are none greater than the two that God established here, that being His church, and then that also being His home. So with that being said, what does God's blueprint for his home really look like? What should the home look like for you and I as we live here on this earth? Is there a design for it? Is there a blueprint? Is there a way that it should be established and set up? 
or does it really matter at all? I want to point out four different areas as we look at this particular lesson uh, this morning, and then we'll offer the Lord's invitation, and the sermon will be yours. Number one, as we look at this blueprint for the home, we have to understand this, that number one, God rules the home. Before anything else, God rules the home. We've talked about it before, and I know that you all have heard lessons on authority. You and I understand that our authority in this life comes from Almighty God and His Word that He has left for us, how it is within the book that God has left for us, that He expresses His authority to us, that He shows us how you and I are to live and how we are to be pleasing to Him while we're here on this earth. It gives us direction. It gives us guidance. It shows us how we must live and that if we live by His authority, certainly God blesses us in what we do. We understand this in every aspect of our lives, but we also understand this as it comes to the design and the perfect nature of the home. That even with the home having a father, even with the home having a mother, even with the home having children who are submissive to their parents, even with this design set in place, there is one being to whom every single person in that home must submit to. One being that ultimately reigns supreme. One being that ultimately is over everything. One being that demands and deserves our respect while we're here in this, on this earth. Not even just over the family. We understand that God ultimately reigns over everything, doesn't He? Psalm 135, beginning in verse 5, For I know that the Lord is great, and our Lord is above all gods. Verse 6, Whatever the Lord pleases, He does in heaven and in earth, in the seas and in all the deep places. We understand God controls everything. God knows everything. God knows everything that will happen. His power and His perfect character means that you and I are to showcase our honor and our deep respect for Him because of what He has done for us. There's a reason why one of the first commands that God ever gave His people was in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 3 when He said, You shall have no other gods before Me. God says there is nothing else out there. There is no one else out there that is worthy of the respect and the worship and the praise and the glory that you are to give to Me. God says it is I and it is I alone. He said, I am the great I am, just as Jesus stated while he was here on this earth in the book of John. He's deserving of our never-ending praise, deserving of our never-ending glorification. And if we give those to him within the design of our home, certainly the home will be pleasing to God. Because of all of this, talking about God being the one and the only God, we also understand that God is a jealous God. You see, when you and I don't see Him as supreme, when you and I look at our home and we don't understand that God is the ruler over everything, then we see our allegiance begin to waver. That's when he becomes jealous. A few passages to consider. Exodus chapter 20, beginning in verse 5, You shall not bow down to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me. What about Exodus chapter 34? Notice verse 14, For you shall worship no other God, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. Deuteronomy 4 verse 24, For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 9, You shall not bow down to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, a repeating of what we read just a moment ago. What about Joshua chapter 24 verse 19? Ezekiel 39, 25, Nahum 1 and verse 2, on and on and on we could go, where God states and showcases that it is Him and Him alone 
that there is no room for any other being that should take our hearts in this life. You see, our God reigns supreme. Our God rules the home, and thus He demands that in every single aspect of our lives we recognize that fact. Because God reigns supreme, because God rules over everything, fathers and mothers, it must affect the way that we live our lives. Before every single decision that you make as a family, fathers and mothers, is it something that God, the ruler of our homes, would approve of? Is it something that God would have you and I to do, or is it something that maybe God would not have you and I to do? Do we find authority for it within His book that He has left for us to study? You see, too many families, too many homes make their decisions based off of society. Too many homes and too many families make their decisions in this life based off of culture and what the world says they should do or what the world says they shouldn't do. And instead of looking to the supreme authority, the one who rules in their home, they look to this world. Fathers and mothers, where does that get our families? Where does that get our homes when they go away from the one who rules them and they look to the world that is so corrupt and wicked in everything that it does? It puts them in direct opposition to God and His Word. It puts our families at their weakest point. It puts our families in a place to where they are susceptible to the enemy. You see, God must rule our homes. When God rules your homes, fathers and mothers, you begin to notice a drastic difference in the way that you conduct yourselves and in the way that your family lives their lives. When He does, you notice a difference. It changes the way you view the world. It changes the way that you view all of the things and the commitments that you have committed to while you're here on this earth. It changes the way that you view things like worship. It changes the way that you view things like your church family, talking about your brothers and your sisters. You see, if God rules in your home, then it changes your priorities, doesn't it? At least it should. It changes what becomes most important to you. When God rules in your home, it changes what becomes the most important thing that you want your children to learn and to know while they're here on this earth. When God rules, heaven becomes the focus. The Bible is lived out. And I certainly hope that can be said of each of us and our families here today. Here's number two. God rules the home, but the Father is the head of the home. The Father is the head of the home. You see, we need more godly fathers, don't we? When we look at our world today, we need more godly fathers. Plain and simple, we look at the families in our world, we look at the home in our world, and it is just simply a mess. I'm not talking about these families in our world where they have, quote-unquote, two dads, or quote-unquote, two moms. I'm not talking about that. I'm not even talking about the transgender issues or the gender issues that our homes are facing and that they are being bombarded with in school. I'm not talking about the physical and emotional abuse that our children face who are having to grow up in situations like that. I'm not even talking about any of that. I'm talking about homes where we would might call them traditional, where there is a father present, where there is a mother present. Homes that perhaps we are familiar with, maybe homes that even describe you and your family today. Because what I'm talking about is I'm talking about fathers who are either lacking their presence in the home or who are lacking the ability to lead their home. 
Did you know that there are an estimated 24.7 million fatherless children in our world? In the United States alone, there are some 17.4 million fatherless children. Since 1960, the percentage has risen from 8% to 24%, amounting to almost a quarter of all of our children being without a father in their home. One out of every four children, according to statistics, grows up in a home where no father is present. Families with no father present are 48% more likely to grow up in poverty. And according to 70% of the United States population, fatherlessness is the most significant problem that our country faces. Why is this? Why do we have so many fathers who are shirking their responsibility to lead their homes? Why do we have so many fathers who are unwilling to step up and to lead and to make decisions for their families? Why do we have so many fathers who are selfishly doing only what they want to do and who are leaving behind their families to suffer? Why is it that there are so many homes that maybe have a father in them, but that father is not actually there because he is focused on so many other things other than his family and what is right in front of him? Why is that? You know, when I think about a father leading his home, I can't help but think about Joshua. In Joshua chapter 23 and chapter 24, putting them together, you couple that together, you have one of the greatest farewell speeches that you ever read about, perhaps in the Old Testament, maybe even in the entire Bible itself. When you think about Joshua and what Joshua had been tasked with, what his job was, having been been thrust into this position to lead the children of Israel, some two to three million people that were simply put under his command, he had to lead them from Egypt or from, from the land of Canaan all the way into where they were going to have the land for themselves. They've just come out of Egypt. They've crossed the Red Sea. They've wandered in the wilderness for some four 40 years, Moses wasn't allowed to enter the promised land, and they needed a leader. So Joshua steps in, takes reins of this particular scenario, and together they have a successful conquest. You read through the book of Joshua, they divide the land, they conquer the land, they see the fulfillment of God's promise all the way back to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. But they've come to the end. And you get to chapter 23 and chapter 24, and Joshua puts together this speech. He is imploring the nation of Israel to remember God, to remember what God had done for them, to never forget that it was God who helped them, who got them through all of the difficult scenarios and circumstances that they were finding themselves in. And he warns them. He warns them about the dangers of communing with the pagan nations that were around them. And he says, look, nation of Israel, you've got to make a choice. Put away the gods that you served while you were in Egypt. He says, if you think it's wrong to serve God, fine. You make your choice. He says, you've got to choose who it is that you're going to serve. The gods on the other side of the Jordan. You could talk about the Amorites. You could talk about whoever it might be. But Joshua says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Fathers, let me quickly point out how we can better lead our homes. And I don't say this necessarily from experience. I only have a 16-month-old at home. I understand that. But I say this through looking at the life of Joshua and understanding what Joshua was able to do when he led his home in the way that God desired him to do so. Here's number one. Fathers, be willing to fear the Lord. Be willing to fear the Lord. Joshua says for the very beginning, before anything else, now therefore fear the Lord. Fathers, if you want to be a leader in your home, you show your children what it means 
to fear Almighty God. What it means to respect and to revere and to place God as high as He can go in your life. You show them that before, you show them that no matter what, God and His Word come first before anything else. You show them that God and His Word are the most important thing in your life. If you do that, you're going to see it affect your own decisions. If you do that, you're going to see it affect your own choices that you make as a father, as a leader of your home. They're going to see how you don't just say that you fear God, but that you live that out in your life. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 28, Therefore, the writer says, Since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Fathers, do, you, do your children see you fearing God? Do they see that playing out in your choices and your decisions that you make? Or do you just say it and then don't do anything else with it? Do they see you making an explicit effort to put God first and serve Him? If you don't, they see that. And trust me, it impacts them more than you ever think it will. No father would ever want it to be said of himself that he helped push his family away from the Lord's church. If I want to have the opposite effect, I must fear God and let that shine through in the way that I lead my home. Number two, I have to be willing as a father to make a choice. I have to be willing to make a choice. Certainly reverence and fear are a must when it comes to serving God, but that has to be coupled with having the courage, the boldness to actually stand up and make that choice in the first place. Joshua did that, didn't he? Joshua did that on behalf of everybody in his family. Before all of the people, regardless of who was there and who might have made whatever decision for their own family, Joshua stood up for him. Joshua stood up for his wife. Joshua stood up for his children, and he said, As for me and my house, we are going to serve God first. Fathers, every single day your children are watching you. Every single day your children are looking to you, and they're waiting to see how you react. They're waiting to see what you do in certain scenarios and in certain situations. You and I are free moral agents. We have free will. Thus making the choice to do and to, to, to live our lives and who it is that we're going to serve, that solely falls upon our shoulders. The direction in which we are going to lead our homes falls upon us as fathers. What a great responsibility that is. Jesus said in John chapter 12 and verse 26, if anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. But that word at the very beginning is the word if. One of the greatest, one of the biggest words in the entire Bible. If we make the choice. If we choose to follow God. And if we choose to put him first in all areas of our lives. If we lead our homes to worship. If we lead them to Bible class over sporting events, over band competitions, over extra work that we might feel like we have to do. If we choose to do family Bible time in our homes at night before our children go to bed, even if it is just for a couple of moments, if we choose to show our children what it means to sacrificially love the people around us, fathers, we have a choice to make. It's high time we step up and do that. Number three, be willing to reject the bad things. Joshua told them, put away the gods that you are serving or that are around you. Put away the gods of your fathers. The gods in Egypt, the people in Israel had a huge problem with idolatry. It was that which was taking them away from the one true God. Here's the thing. When you think about idols, gods, things that take away our focus, they're always going to be there, aren't they? You can look in the past. You can look at right now. You can look into the future. Idolatry will always be present. It will always have 
an opportunity to be there and to shape and to affect our lives. That's why Joshua is emphasizing the fact that as a leader of his home, he was going to make the choice to reject the false gods that would take his family away. Fathers, there are too many idols in our world that pick apart our families. More than we can talk about and even, even consider this morning. Money, work, sports, popularity, materialism, worldliness, whatever it is that you might think of. On and on we could go. Our homes are being bombarded with thing after thing after thing that are trying to infiltrate our homes and to take them away from what our paths truly should be set on. Sometimes there are things that aren't even that bad. Sometimes there are things that aren't even sinful in nature, and yet when we allow them to come into our homes and we obsess over them and consume over them and allow ourselves to look at them and to place them as the most important thing in our lives, maybe you're not involved in the church as you should be. Maybe you think in your mind, oh, I'm just too busy. I just have too many things going on, and I can't do this, and I can't do that. What are your children seeing, fathers, when you say that? What are your children seeing, fathers, when you don't take the time to make the time for your brothers and sisters, for serving the Lord's church? Are they seeing a man who is placing God in his perfect church as the most important thing in his life? Or are they seeing a father who is placing importance and priority to things that are outside of the church, and the church just falls underneath? Fathers, be willing to step up and reject those things that can pull us astray. Be an example to your children. Here's number four. Ultimately, fathers, be willing to lead your family to heaven. Be willing to lead your family to heaven. You know, at the end of the day, your children are going to grow up into adults. They're going to make their own decisions. They will leave. They will move on. They will live their separate lives away from you. But during the time that you have your children in your home, fathers, you have an opportunity and a responsibility to point them towards heaven. David said to Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 2 and verse 2, I go the way of all the earth. Be strong, therefore, and prove yourself a man, and keep the charge of the Lord your God, to walk in His ways, to keep His statutes, His commandments, His judgments, and His testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. We have a great privilege, fathers, to help lead and point our families towards heaven. Don't shirk that responsibility. Here's number three. God says that He's the ruler of the home. God says that fathers are to lead their homes and be the head of their homes. But then number three, He says that mothers are to make the home. Mothers are to make the home. It's often been said that the head of the home is the father, but the heart of the home is the mother. Maybe you've heard this one. They say beside or behind every good man stands a good woman. And I suppose we can make an addendum to that. Maybe make it say beside every good man stands a good woman. A father leads the home, yes, but the mother is what makes the home what it is. When you think about a, a, a couple, right, two spouses, a father and a mother, everything that the father lacks, the mother makes up for it, doesn't she? And vice versa. And when you take two individuals, a godly father and a godly mother, a father and a mother who are faithful in all things as it concerns Jesus Christ and His church, who are striving to do all that they can to point their children and lead them to heaven. You have a father and a mother who are growing closer to God and in the process growing closer to each other. A father and a mother who are putting the other before themselves. That is when you have a successful home, isn't it? When you take two parents who prioritize God as first 
and that everything else comes behind him. I think about what Paul wrote to young Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning in verse 5, when he said, When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that it is in you also. When we think about Timothy, we, we, and I, we talked about this before, Timothy was Paul's protege. He was someone uh, that Paul was grooming and molding to become this great gospel preacher. But Timothy had gotten to the point where he was when he met Paul because of how his home was. Because of the impact and the influence that his mother had on him while he was a child. If she had not taught it to him at a young age, he never would have been where he was when he met Paul. When you look at Eunice, we think about her faith, don't we? How she was genuine in her faith, believing in God and understanding what he had done for her, believing that she had a home in heaven, and that even through all of the difficulties that she was facing in her life, God was going to be with her. And throughout the childhood of Timothy, she was instilling in him the faith that she had. If you go two chapters later to chapter 3, you notice verses 14 and verse 15. Paul said, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Not only was her source of faith founded in Jesus Christ, and in Almighty God, not only was she sincere and genuine in her faith, but she was also sharing her faith with her family. I'm not going to touch too much on this, <clears throat> because I don't, and I don't know exactly where Joey's going to go with this. He may touch on this uh, some uh, this evening. Let me just say this. In our culture and in our society, it is the norm for a mother to work outside of the home. That's the norm. It is the norm for the mother to bring in an income. It is, it is the norm for the mother to help provide for the family and to help provide for the lifestyle it is that they are choosing to live. Let me just say this. I know that it is not a sin for the mother to work outside of the home. I understand that completely. I know that Proverbs chapter 31 seems to indicate the virtuous woman held some kind of job outside of keeping the home. I know all of that. I know several Christian godly mothers who are wives, who are mothers, and who, who, who keep their home, but who also hold a job outside of the home. Some of you are sitting in this room. I understand that, but I say all of that to say this. If that is the case for you as a mother, you must be extra diligent, extra diligent to remember what your number one priority is. When what God has tasked you with, that being to keep your home, to mother your children, and to be the wife to your husband. Titus chapter 2 and verse 5 talks about the older women, how they are to be the homemakers, or they are to be the keepers of the home. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 1 says, The wise woman builds her house, but the foolish woman pulls it down with her hands. There are too many families in our world, and sadly there are some even within the church who have lost sight of this very fact who have left the rearing of their children to other people, who are missing out on influencing their children for good, all because there is a certain lifestyle that they want to live, and so they go out and do that. Mothers must remember what their first priority should be. Not to go get a job, not to go out and be gone every, all day, every day. If you do that, that's fine, but remember what your first priority is, that being your home. Here's number four. God rules the home. Fathers lead the home. The mother is the maker of the home. But number four, children are also obedient 
in the home. And again, I'm not going to touch too much on this because we talked about this last week uh, concerning my lesson that I spoke, uh, that I delivered at the Memphis School of Preaching Lectureship. But you know, just as any Christian, as any child of God is supposed to fear and to reverence God, it's the exact same kind of attitude that a child should have for their parents. The idea that they show their parents a type of fear and a type of reverence and respect that they submit to their parents and that they obey without disrespect or without any kind of rebellion. And I understand as children that can be hard sometimes, can't it? That can be very difficult. You might think that they're testing your patience and they're putting you to the test and there's all these things that you think in your mind as a child. But I think about Ephesians chapter 6, beginning of verse 1, where it couldn't really be stated any more plainly. When God said, or rather the Apostle Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said, children, obey your parents. In the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Young people, do you obey your parents? Do you respect them? Do you answer them in the way that shows that you love them and that you appreciate the things that they are striving to do for you? Do you show them the respect and reverence that they deserve, even perhaps as a young, while you're at a young age, maybe you don't even uh, agree with many of the rules and things that they have set in place for you? Do you show them the respect that they deserve? You see, when you disrespect and when you disobey your parents as a young person, you ultimately are showing a lack of respect for who? For Almighty God. God has put them in place over you, has He not? God has put them in place over you, thus by showing fear and honor to your parents, you ultimately show that fear and that honor towards God. When our parents tell us to do something, we have to do it. We have to listen. We have to obey. It's, in fact, it's what Jesus did while he was here on this earth. In Luke chapter 2, and verse 51, the Bible tells us that when he went down with them, talking about his parents, he came to Nazareth and he was what? He was subject to them. The English standard says that he was submissive to them. Even as our Lord, as a child, was obedient to his parents, so must you and I be while we are still in our homes as well. Here's, here's a big problem that our, that our families face and what cultures this whole environment uh, of children not obeying our parents. And it's because of this. There are too many parents in our world who are trying to be friends with their parents. And thus we see children end up running around and dictating the home. Fathers and mothers, this is the complete opposite of the way homes are supposed to be run, of the way that God designed the home. It's not what it should be. The father leads the home, the mother makes the home, and the children follow in line behind that. There's nothing wrong with having good and healthy relationships with your children. In fact, you should have those with them. But when you shirk your responsibility of being a parent so that you can be quote-unquote friends with them, what good are you doing for them? How are you helping them? Now, maybe they, they think that you're, that you're the greatest thing ever. But growing up, they won't understand what authority is high time for parents to simply parent. It's been said before that so goes the home, so goes the church. Parents, we have a unique opportunity, don't we, to shape the, what the Lord's church is going to look like in the coming years. There's a reason why in the Old Testament, God time and time and time again totally uh, commanded his people to set up these memorials. They served as a purpose for them to remember what God had done for them time and time and time again. Parents, you and I have a responsibility to help shape our children into what they need to be for God. It's not an easy responsibility, but certainly what a blessing it is. Don't ever forget the importance of your role in the home. I've seen this quote many, many times. I'm sure you have as well. And it goes as this, as parents, it must be our priority 
to help get our children into heaven and not into Harvard. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with education. In fact, I think education is extremely important. We should encourage our children to grow up and to get degrees and to get jobs and to go do, out, go do the best that they can and to help, uh, to, to help society in whatever way it is uh, that they are able to. But please understand this, that it doesn't matter how many degrees your child might have. It doesn't matter how many trophies or medals or competitions it is that your child won. It doesn't matter how much money that you may even leave your children when you leave this earth. You see, the only thing that matters right now while you have children in your home, the only thing that matters is that you helped them remain faithful to God as a faithful child of His. That they're able to stand before God on the day of judgment. That they're able to hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You see, the only thing that matters is if you help them in this life prepare themselves for the life that is to come. We talk about our homes, they're so important. We talk about our homes, I understand that oftentimes they are neglected. And oftentimes many of the problems in our home come because the design, the blueprint is not what it should be. And it is not followed as God says it should be in his manual. I hope that this has been something that has been encouraging to you. I hope that this is something uh, that has been beneficial for us as families, for us as parents, uh, even as a reminder for us as children to be who we're supposed to be. And I hope that we take things like this, we make them applicable to our lives so that we can be the best families that we can for Almighty God. Maybe you're here this morning, perhaps you're not a part of His family, that being His spiritual family, that being the church of Jesus Christ. Maybe you are here this morning, and maybe you've been studying, and maybe you have decided that it's time for you to put Christ on in baptism. Know that we can help you with that. We can assist you. Uh, you can come forward, repent of your sins, confess in Christ's precious name. We can baptize you in the water. This water, just simply a representation of Jesus' shed blood on the cross of Calvary. You can go on your way rejoicing. We talked about the Ethiopian eunuch this morning in Acts chapter 8. Went on his way rejoicing because he knew that he was on his way to heaven. Or maybe you're here perhaps this morning. Maybe you are a Christian. Maybe you are part of the family of God, and maybe your life's not what it should be. Maybe as a father and a mother, you've been shirking your responsibility as parents. Maybe that's between you two and between God. Then take care of that, but perhaps it's been happening in such a way that people know about it, and you want to take care of it, and you want your family to know that you've repented, and you want their forgiveness. Know that we can help you, assist you, and encourage you in whatever way possible. If you have a need this morning, won't you come? It's together we stand in as we sing. Thank you for listening to this recorded audio of a sermon that was preached at the Roanoke Church of Christ. If you'd like to visit us, you can do so at 608 Dallas Drive, Roanoke, Texas, 76262, or you can visit our website at roanokechurchofchrist.org. We hope to see you soon, and may God bless you.